Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Friday, July 22nd, 2016 of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio. Got a really good show planned for you guys. We have Cyrus Geller of Musket Fire of the Fan Side Network coming on to help us continue our positional breakdown here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. This week, we are going over my favorite position on the football field, D. Defensive line. What's going to happen with the defensive rotation next to first-round pick Malcolm Brown? What are we going to see out of the DN position with Chandler Jones now on the Cardinals? Who is going to pick up the pass rushing slack? All that and more on this week's episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thanks, Larry. Hello, everyone. It's episode number 131 of Patriots Beyond CLNS Radio. Go check us out on clnsradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at clnsradio and support us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clnsfans. Welcome, everybody. Uh, You know, it's nice to be back here on the Patriots Beat podcast. Last week, uh, we went over what was going on with the whole Deflategate ruling. But ladies and gentlemen, we are now in a post Deflategate, Patriots world, four-game suspension, Jimmy Grappolo is now starting, whatever. Let's move on to the rest of the team because I feel that throughout this entire process, the, the players that have really been, you know, messed up over this most, this, besides Tom Brady, have been, have been the rest of the team. I mean, we, we've been focusing so much on Tom Brady that I think we've lost sight of the fact that this might be the second or third best team that the Patriots have ever had. This might be the deepest team the Patriots have ever had. This might be the uh, most well-rounded team that they've ever been able to assemble. So I think that this is a very, very fun team that we're going to be able to talk about uh, this season. But, um, you know, we're going to stick with our positional breakdowns uh, so far, and we're going to go right into the defensive line because defensive line for me personally, it's it's my favorite position. I don't think there is a more well-rounded 
athlete in football today, maybe outside a wide receiver than defensive ends. I think in order to be a pass rusher in the NFL nowadays, you need to have some serious speed, some serious power, and be able to translate that speed into power in order to really succeed in the NFL. And I think some of the best athletes in the world are currently at this position. But let's let's uh, take a look at what the Patriots are going to be dealing with. So let's start with uh, defensive one. We'll get to defensive tackle once we uh, get through our interview with um, with Cyrus Geller. So if you look at our defensive ends for now, um, obviously the biggest uh, omission that we've seen so far uh, this offseason is Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones obviously traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a second-round pick and guard Jonathan Cooper. So you know this is this is tough for me because Chandler Jones is actually. One of my favorite players, if not my favorite player, had a Chandler Jones jersey. You know, I've been following him ever since I uh, came out of college. Big Syracuse guy. And, you know, when they first drafted him, I was a little bit wary because he had a lot of injury issues in college. And unfortunately, those injury issues really did carry or have carried into his NFL career. Um, I think all Patriots fans at this point can kind of acknowledge that he is not someone who, while he, you can rely on him for good pass rush, it, it's not going to come in 16 games. It's just not. That's just not the kind of player he is. He 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 can start off a season really well. He can have a lot of really good games, but in a lot of the games that he had, he really disappeared a lot. And, you know, especially in a couple of the big-time games where the Patriots needed him the most, the second half of last season, he completely disappeared after being one of the best pass rushers in the NFL last season, or excuse me, the first half of the year. He, he just completely disappeared. I want to say he ended up with like eight sacks in his first ten games, or no, ten sacks in his first eight games, and then the last eight games he had like two or three, or I think I think the number was three. So, you know, you give and you take with Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones is no more on this team. Adios Chandler Jones, no more, no more Jones smiles. But so now let's look at their defensive end position because it's very, I don't, I, I don't, it's not shaky, but what it is is unproven. Um, I think, you know, outside of Rob Ninkovich, we don't really know what we're going to get on this defense. Um, you know, because Chandler Jones was a big, you know, starting kind of guy. He started so many games. He had so many snaps. I'm pretty sure that him and Ninkovich were the most two most consistent players on the field at all times for the Patriots. I want to say that Ninkovich maybe played the most snaps on the whole entire defense last season, if not maybe McCourty, but I think McCourty missed a couple games last season, if my memory serves me. But let's look at their defensive end position. So right now, you're starting two defensive ends going into this season. I think it's a, I think it's a given as of right now. It's going to be Jabal Sheard and Rob Ninkovich. So Rob Ninkovich, obviously, you know, one of the most consistent guys on the Patriots team. I think every single year he's good for 10 sacks, good quarterback pressures, a couple cool deflections at the line, maybe an interception or two. I mean, this guy's about as consistent as you're going to find in the NFL today. Um, you know, he's, talk, he's talked about this, uh, this season. It's been really interesting uh, this offseason. He's talking about how he knows his career is winding down, about how he's just enjoying playing football. And I kind of compare that to what we see with David Ortiz uh, with the Red Sox, how he's been talking about the same thing, about how in his last season, it just, it's no longer about going up there and looking for a fastball. It's no longer looking up there and going up for a specific pitch. It's just knowing who you are as a player and being able to use those skills as your career winds down. So I think that Nikovich might take a step back this season, but still be that player, that consistent player that we all know and love. But the big question mark this year uh, for me, because we don't need to spend too much time on Rob Nikovich. It's, it's Rob Nikovich. We know what he's going to do. But the guy we need to talk about this season is Jabal Sheard. Um, Jabal Sheard is probably one of the make-or-break factors for the Patriots this season. I mean, 
just we need him to step up in a big kind of way. Jabal Sheard is a guy who, with Cleveland, never really found the position that suited him correctly on the defensive line. He kind of um, he he was shuffled around a lot between outside linebacker, defensive line, and once he got to New England, once the coaches got their hand on him, they really found a nice spot for him, uh, kind of in the D tackle, D end position. But the only issue was that he wasn't a starter. He was very much a rotational guy where they could control his snaps and really lean him into that stuff. And once he, I, I want to say that once they started using him more, once they had a couple injuries, he wasn't nearly as effective. And that's my biggest worry because I don't think he's not a pure defensive end in the way that Chandler Jones is. Chandler Jones is a pure defensive end through and through, whereas Jabal Sheard is very much more of a versatile player where he can play in so many different positions and that's what makes him so good which is why I'm worried this year I really don't know if he's going to have as good of a season as people are making it out to be simply because he's just not going to be playing in the same role that he was last year they're definitely going to be commanding a lot more for him uh, from him and I think it's up the air up in the air whether or not he's actually going to be able to step up to the plate for them um but, you know, we'll, we'll see with Jabal Sheard. I think Jabal Sheard will end up with about eight or nine sacks. I really don't think he's going to end up with 13 or 14. I don't think – I think the Patriots' defense this year is – a lot of the pass rush is going to be a by-committee thing. I don't think there's going to be one guy who steps up and blows the lid off of this defense and becomes the next Chandler Jones pass rushing threat. I think they just don't have that caliber player on this defense. And that's not a bad thing because that's never really been their defense anyway. I think that – um you're going to see, with the intro of Shane McClellan at the linebacker position, you're going to see a lot more blitzing from Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. They are going to be in the quarterback's face as much as possible. I think that was a really good move, um, bringing in Shane McClellan to, to, to open up spacing for Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower to really make a difference as pass rushing threats. Because as we saw, especially with Jamie Collins, when they actually are given the chance to rush the passer, they are nearly unstoppable. They're a great tandem at uh, causing ha- uh, havoc excuse me, in the backfield. But continuing to look at the uh, defensive end position, let's look at uh, Chris Long and then Geno Grissom, I guess, would be the other guy uh, I want to look at before we get into Trey Flowers. So Chris Long, obviously, you know, one of the, probably the, one of the bigger vets on the team, along with Terrence Knighton and Rob Ninkovich on this defense. Um, Chris Long, guy who's on the Rams for as long as, uh, for his entire career. Um, the first half of his career, he was a very productive player. He never really put up the, like, the 18 sacks that people thought he was. But, you know, he was consistently 10 to 13 for the beginning half of his career. And then, unfortunately, the past couple of years, he's really been hounded by injuries. It's really hurt the second half of his career. And I think that that was one of the biggest reasons that he had to end up leaving uh, St. Louis and now Los Angeles is that he just – there were too many injuries for too much money. And when those kinds of things kind of cross over, it usually ends up not, not too good for the, uh, for the actual player. So Chris Long now on the Patriots – I think he's going to have a really good role because now he, he doesn't have to be a starting defensive lineman. Now he gets to be used as a rotational kind of guy. And maybe at this point in his career, that's, that's the correct way to do things. It might not be good for him as a player to be putting that much stress on his body. He's a 30, 31-year-old defensive end. I mean, the reason that Rob Ninkovich is such a, a different player in that sense is because Rob Ninkovich really didn't get his his career started until the ages of, what, 26, 27, now 32. So he's got six years under his belt, whereas Chris Long's been doing this for since he was 21 years old and drafted. 
out of uh, out of Virginia Tech second overall. So or Virginia, I'm not sure. So I think it was Virginia. So he's had nine years of this. So it's just more stress on his body, and I think him taking a step back in his role is going to be a really really big time uh, big time help for the Patriots. But an interesting guy on this defense is actually Geno Grissom. So when Geno Grissom was used the second half of the season, um, to me at least, he was he was actually pretty pretty good. Um, like not not to say you blew the top of anyone, but it was okay. It was like he was okay when they used him in rotation. He seemed to know what he was doing. His spacing was good. He got to the passer a couple times, more late game situations, if anything, and just kind of made the impact of where you would expect of. Uh, a overdrafted fifth or overdrafted fourth round pick, I should say, um, to do. He he just he kind of did what I expect him to do. But this year, I think we're going to see a big step forward for him. I think he's going to be asked to play a legitimate role on this defense. He's probably the one of the top four defensive ends on this team right now, so he's going to get decent playing time. So I think Geno Grissom is going to have to step up in a big time way this year if he wants to make any sort of impact on this team. We're gonna. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what Geno Grissom can bring to the table this year. But another guy uh, who's gonna be interesting. I mentioned him in the beginning of the show. The guy who's probably the biggest question mark on this entire defense going into this season is Trey Flowers. So Trey Flowers is a guy who you know very 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 good player in college, in my opinion. Stereotypical defensive end size, six three, two sixty five. Big guy uh, coming out of, I want to say, is he Nebraska? I want to say Arkansas. So, you know, right colors, wrong team. So, you know, he second team All-SEC in 2014, 2013. Started every game in 2014. Led the team in tackle for loss and sacks. So, he's a good player. I mean, he was a very efficient player in college. There's a reason he was drafted in the uh, third round by the Pats. I think he's the most interesting guy on this team. So he was going to have a big-time role last season, but he got hurt during, I want to say, during preseason. I think he had a shoulder injury that kept him out for a lot of games, and it kind of, he was, it was a constant name on the inactive list. And I don't think that really did him a lot of justice. I think that Trey Flowers is a very good player when given the chance. He's a fourth-round pick, excuse me. But I think he was a, he's a very good player when given the chance. I think he's going to have a big-time opportunity this year to really put up um, some big-time sack numbers because he's, he's probably the most pure defensive end that the Patriots have on this team because Geno Grissom is a little bit undersized. Um, Chris Long's a little bit old, and, he, and you know, Rob Nankovich is 32 as well. So Trey Flowers is the closest thing they have to a defensive end prospect on this team, and I think he could be really good. He showed some impressive flashes in preseason. He was... He was really playing extremely well before he went down with that shoulder injury. I remember specifically the game against the Packers. He was all over the place. He had like a sack and a half, and then I think he got injured while while maybe trying to get a, a third or second or third sack. He was quite good. So I think we need to wait and see what we have from the pass rushing position on his point or on his side of things before we really judge what this position is going to be. I'm really interested to see if they pick up anybody um, during the preseason and really try to you know, create more competition at the position. But the last guy on the depth chart I haven't talked about at the defensive end before we bring on uh, Cyrus Geller um, is Frank Curse. So Frank Curse is a guy who he was on um, the Carolina Panthers for a little while, was on the Cowboys for a while, and then spent the last two years on the Washington Redskins. Um, you know, he's, 
he's been okay in his career. I mean, he, I, I talked to a couple of my friends who, um, who you know, had him on, uh, who were Redskins fans, and they said that whenever he was used, he was pretty good. He only played four games last year. In those four games, one sack, a uh, couple of tackles, but in the, his full season uh, with the Redskins, 15 games, 12 tackles, three assisted, and three sacks. So while not the biggest stat guy, I think it's good to have another uh, NFL body with experience. I don't think it's a problem to have a guy like him. If he makes the team or not, it uh, remains to be seen. But I think Frank Curse is a decent addition to this team. I don't think he'll end up making the team. I think it's between him and Trey Flowers for that fifth DN spot. Um, and Frank Curse, unfortunately, I don't think is going to be good enough to keep off a second-year, fourth-round pick with a lot of potential like Trey Flowers. So we'll see what ends up happening in the defensive end position. But first, let's bring in Cyrus Geller to talk about some defensive end stuff and what he thinks we're going to see out of the defensive tackle position. Very happy to have Cyrus Geller uh, of Musket Fire from the Fan Sided Network. It's a Patriots blog, so go check it out. They cover a lot of good stuff. I'm a big fan of theirs. But we'd also like to announce that this interview is brought to you by Blue Apron. Get fun to cook meals for and with your family and friends by ordering healthy and delicious ingredients from Blue Apron that's delivered straight to your doorstep. Get meals for under $10 with the freshest and in-season ingredients. As a loyal supporter of CLNS Radio, we are offering your first two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Beat. That's blueapron.com slash Beat. So, Cyrus, here we go. Looking over the depth chart, we started off the episode looking at um, the defensive end position. So, mm-hmm. obviously, no Chandler Jones this year. That's, right. you know, obviously the big thing. So who do you think is going to step up on this team with no Chandler Jones? I think it's, well, with the Pets, with the Pets it's, always a, it's always a committee kind of thing. You know, there's never one guy that's going to step in and completely replace someone like Chandler Jones. I do think Jabal, Jabal shared he's going to be, he was so underrated last year in the run game, pass rushing. He will certainly be a huge part um, of the committee on the edge, Rob Ninkovich, he's always a mainstay, but Chris Long, bringing him in, I think that's going to be the key. Not not necessarily to have him start, but just to keep that rotation fresh. Not having Ninkovich playing an absurd amount of snaps or shared, being able to rotate him in, in and out, and uh, get the same production with three three players instead of just one or two. One thing that does worry me, though, about Jabal Sheard is that I think one of his biggest keys to success last season was that they used him so well in rotation with Chandler Jones and Jabal and uh, excuse me, Rob Nikovitz that mm-hmm. he played on both defensive end positions. They used him at D tackle, but they also used him at outside linebacker just as a way to get him on the field in as many pass rush situations as possible. But this year, obviously, he, he's going to have to step up in a big way because he's the starting DN now. So right. do you think that change in position will, I guess, I don't want to say mess him up, but do you think that'll, I guess, force him to be a little more consistent that we didn't really see too much last season? I think it certainly has to play a part. We don't know for sure that he can step in full-time and produce how he produced just as well as he did last year, but I, think, I don't think Bill Belichick would have made this trade if he didn't think the combination of Sheard, Ninkovich, Long, you know, you could throw in Trey Flowers, uh, uh, Janio Grissom. I don't think he would have made this trade if he wasn't confident that they could step up and do the job well 
I mean, Chandler Jones, he was a great player, but he what? this wasn't Lawrence Taylor here. We're not talking about losing, you know, the best pass rusher in the league. I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as a lot of uh, media heads might be, might be making it. I mentioned about Chandler Jones is that he, he just, you know, that he would, for the first half of every season, he put up like 10 sacks. Right. And the rest of the season, he would, he would just, just vanish disappear. like two sacks, yeah. especially in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it was more of a stamina thing. But um, one guy that I think, I'm, I talked a lot about him in the first half of this podcast that, you know, I think Trey Flowers is in line for a really big season. We saw him in the preseason last year, especially that game against the Packers. He mm-hmm. just, he was blowing past everybody, preseason or not. But he played so well, and unfortunately he went down with that shoulder injury, I think, in the third preseason game. So we didn't really get to see him against anyone recognizable in the NFL. But between him and Grissom, do you think that they can take big enough steps forward to even, I guess, for replace half of what Chandler Jones brought? Right. I think, I think Flowers, if he's healthy, is definitely the more, has more, more potential as a pass rusher than Grissom. Grissom, he's, he's a weird player. He, he, I mean, he's really, he can, he can be really versatile. He's very athletic, but as a pass rusher, I'd rather see Flowers in there. And I do think if he can stay healthy, he could, he could help replace some of Jones' production. Gotta stay healthy. He's not an every down, every down player. He's got. It'll just be a third down pass rush kind of thing. But I'm excited just in training camp preseason to see, to see if he's recovered and see if he can make an impact. This entire defense, the one person that doesn't really need to be talked about is Rob Ninkovich. I mean, it, it's been <laughs> yeah. really interesting, like seeing him talk about, like, oh, you know, ending my career. It's really nice to just like kind of view it that way. So he's gonna do his thing. But I think the biggest question mark on this entire defense is what we're going to get at Chris Long. I think, you know, the past couple seasons spending it injured with the Rams, getting cut because, you know, he was owed so much money from uh, those first two contracts. So no more money benefits with him. He's getting paid. He is maybe the cheapest deal of any veteran signed this uh, offseason. So what do you think we're going to get at Chris Long this season? I mean, I I have high expectations, but – it's not it's not something where he has to produce or the Pats really screwed up. Like you said, they're not paying him a lot. But I think this is one of these situations where Bill Belichick goes and gets a veteran who's sick of being on a playing on a losing team. He wants to be part of a winning culture. Long is produced in the past. We know he has talent. Injuries have slow, have slowed him down. You know, he's not really young anymore, but I think being being in a winning culture on a team like this will really motivate him to produce. And not only that, he's surrounded by a lot of talent. He's not, he's not the guy he's got, you know, he's got shared. He's got Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, the Pats. They've got some good talent on the interior as well. That will help give him some one-on-ones. And I think, I think he can take advantage of it. So I, we, I don't think we need to talk too much about Frank Curse. I mean, just kind of <laughs> – he's the sixth defensive end on the roster. He'll, yeah. Trey Flowers is probably going to beat him out. So I think let, so. Let, let's, let's check out the defensive tackle position because if you just look at it player-wise, they might have the deepest, deepest depth at defensive tackle of any team in the NFL. They have four guys who could possibly start on this team on, uh, on the rotation and another three bench guys who are just – absolute quality so the first two guys um that I want to talk about so Mike Reese released who he thought he was gonna who was gonna start the season for the Patriots at the tackle he said it's gonna be Terrence Knighton next to Malcolm Brown he even went so far as calling Terrence Knighton the biggest um what was what did he say 
the biggest discount of the offseason of any team. I can so, say that, yeah. Terrence Knight and Malcolm Brown starting at D-tackle is about as scary as you're going to find in the NFL, I think, outside Absolutely. of Kawan Short and Star Lotulele on the Panthers. So what do you think their combo is going to bring to the table this season? I loved uh, when the Pats drafted Malcolm Brown, first of all. I was not only excited as a Longhorns fan, but as a Pats fan, just seeing how he dropped. He's, he was so good. I couldn't believe he fell all the way to the bottom of the first round. That was but an incredible steal. Amazing. But he, he was awesome last year. And Terrence Knight, and, as you said, great discount, discount uh, bargain, bargains free agent signing. But I think, and I think they're very talented. I'm just a little worried what, what they can bring as, like a, as a penetrating pass, penetrating pass rushers. Losing Dominic Easley, I, I understand there's, there is off season, I mean, there's off the field, off the field problems. I get it. But he, yeah. He was so good. He was so good on the interior. And I, replacing that kind of penetrating, slashing style, Knighton and Brown, they're both great players, but they can't replicate that. And so I'm just a little worried about where that's going to come from. Is that, you know, you have Terrence Knighton, who, you know, wreaked so much havoc on the Patriots when he was on the Broncos. But I, the one thing that worries me the most about him is that I think that him and Alan Branch are basically the same player. Yeah, they're very similar. They yeah. just, they're both just massive people who are great against the run, and if they're on the field in a passing down, then you, you have to double them up. They, they do the same thing. So it's going to be good because I know one of the things that uh, worried me about Allen Branch was that towards the end of the season, you could really start to see that the amount of snaps that he was playing was really starting to take a toll on him. So I think that having Terrence Knighton is a really good way to you know, restrict the amount of snaps you have to give Allen Branch. But um, one weird thing that they did this offseason at defensive tackle, they brought back Joe Volano, which yeah. is weird to me because I don't see why you, bring, you cut him and then wait a whole year and then bring him back after signing Terrence Knight. <laughs> I don't really understand. Do you think he's even going to make the team as a recognizable no. face? No, I think I think it's a camp body more than anything else. He, uh, I when he was what was it? Like 2013? Did he get all those snaps? Was I think it? So he he had one year where they they loved him, right? And I think so much. I think that was the year where Will Fork went down and they had all those injuries, so he was kind of forced forced to play. And for a guy his size, he he tried he played his heart out. He he did the best he could, but he's just not big enough to really play. And he's not he's not a penetrator. He he's not big enough to do that. So I really think. He's just going to be a camp body. Maybe, maybe he'll be on the play on the practice squad or something. But he's not going to make the the final roster. One Injuries guy that, aside, that probably will beat him out though is um, Vincent Valentine, the guy they got from Nebraska. I want to say was he a third round pick? Maybe? I think he was second, second, second round pick. Yeah, he was second the late second after Shire yeah. Jones. So Vincent Valentine's a guy who was very all over the place uh, with draft prospects because I saw a couple people who had him. You know, ranging in the mid-third round. I saw people who didn't even have him ranked. I saw people, it was all over the place. No one really knew where to slot this guy. It kind of seemed to be, if the right team drafts him, he'll be good. But if the wrong team drafts him, you're never going to hear about him again. So, do you, do you think the Pats made the right decision taking Valentine over the other D-tackles that were available? Or do you think he'll end up being a mistake? I, I, I don't want to say mistake. We haven't seen him play at all. But I was, I was disappointed on draft day when... I saw he was he was picked, and there was certainly there was a plenty of other uh, 
prospects still left on the board. I saw, I, I think Hassan Ridgeway from Texas again. Yeah. He was, I, I forgot where he got drafted, fourth round or something, but I was disappointed. But looking at him a little bit, I think, I think he can be a good player. He won't start. He won't start immediately. You've got, you've got Branch, you've got Brown, you've got Knighton that can play ahead of him. But he's, you know, he's big, he's athletic. I think with some development, he can turn down, down the road, he could turn into an every, an every down player, you know, or first, second down, him, him and Brown as the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I could definitely see, see that happening with proper development. And uh, the last guy, I guess, on the defensive tackle position is uh, Marcus Kuhn, who they brought in from the New York Giants. Uh, they now lead the NFL in uh, German-born players, which is pretty <laughs> cool between him and Vollmer. Right. But um, Kuhn is obviously a guy we both know. He's on the Giants. He was just kind of a, a fun player that it, people like to scream Kuhn whenever he yeah. made a tackle. Yeah. But um, kind of just looking at this defensive line as a whole, the one thing that really sticks out to me, this is a massive defensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. from Sheard to Branch and Knighton and Brown, their, their pass rush this year is clearly going to be coming from overpowering uh, some uh, offensive lines. So all in all, with every, all the talent that they have and all the depth, do you think they will be able to, as a defensive line, I guess, replace the production of Chandler Jones? I think, I think they, if they can't fully do it, they will come close. They were, what, I think second in sacks last year? Yeah. And the, the weird thing was, you never looked at them and say, oh, my God, this is an elite pass rushing group. They did it with, you know, Hightower and Collins blitzing. They did it with great coverage. They did it as a team. It was never Jones, other than a few games against, like, the Titans, that it was never him dominating. So I think as a team, whether it's Sheard, you know, Ninkovich, he's always there. Chris Long, I hope he can do something. And then you've got the X-Factors, the two linebackers, blitzing or just playing outside linebacker and pass rushing. I think they'll be able to replace his production. The secondary beyond the cover will will help them certainly, but as a group with other depth, be able to keep each other fresh. I think I think there'll be another another good year pass rushing for the Pats. Do you think this year's defense is better than last year's? Yes, yes, but I, I like the, the secondary. I think is going to be really good yeah. with the addition of Cyrus Jones, Justin Coleman. They got Daryl Roberts coming back. He was supposed to, he was looking really good in training camp before he got injured. Um, the secondary will be much better. The defensive line, I won't say it's better after losing easily um, Jones and uh, Akeem Hicks right. as well. I won't say it's better, but with getting Terrence Knight in, adding a Valentine, adding a Chris Long, I, I'd i say they don't lose much. They don't, honestly don't lose much. And I think overall, if, if injuries, if they can stay healthy, both the offense and defense will be better. They'll be a better team this year. So, last question uh, before we uh, let you get out of here. So, one of the one of the things that last year's defense really did that I think really flew under the radar. They won a lot of games to the Pats last year, or especially kept them in uh, the Denver game. They really kept them in for a while. Um, the last three games of the season, where they just gave up on offense for who knows what reason, they just the defense was performing out of their minds. I think they let up a max of twenty points in those three mm-hmm. games. Um, do you think this defense has those capabilities like we saw last season to take over in games where the offense might not be performing somehow this season after the first four games? Will this defense be able to step up and win games for the Patriots this year? Absolutely. I think it, as great as the offense is going to be, I, I, it's hard to say the defense will be better just because of how many weapons Brady's going to have when he comes back. But this defense, 
it's going to fly under the radar because everyone will be talking about Brady in the offense, but this defense, they were, they were top 10 in yards last year. They were top 10 in points. And they added in the secondary. It stayed about the same defensive line. We've still got the linebackers. You know, injuries are always key, but they have, they can cover. They can get off the quarterback. They can stop the run. They did struggle, uh, with, with t- takeaways last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think they'll, build, that'll, that'll, that'll change a little bit with some additions in the secondary. But I absolutely think they can, they can win games. They'll win games for the past. They'll win at least a couple games. The, the weirdest thing about them with takeaways, it wasn't even that they weren't getting turnovers. They just kept dropping interceptions. <laughs> I've never seen a secondary yeah. with such awful hands. Yeah. But hopefully they can go through some passing drills this offseason. But uh, Cyrus, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yep, no problem. It's great. It was great to be here. Awesome. Have a good one, man. You too. Again, want to thank Cyrus Geller, one of the uh, lead writers for the Musket Fire Patriots blog on the Fan Sided Network. Uh, I used to write for them, actually, back in my uh, earlier days, but that by no means should mean them. They are a great blog, uh, big fan of Fan Sided. I read their stuff all the time. So go check out Cyrus Geller's stuff on the Musket Fire blog on the Fan Sided Network. Also, if you want to check out me on Twitter, go follow me at Sportsdean. That's at Sportsdean, S-P-O-T-R-S-E-I-N. If you guys want to ask me some Patriots questions or just throw around some uh, some fun sports facts, I'm always I'm always open for some nice twittering. Um, I, if if you want to get in contact with me, usually Twitter is the way to do it. I'm on Twitter 24 seven. So if you want to chat about some Patriots stuff or just chat about sports things in general, please hit me up. I'd love to uh, talk to some of the fans of the show and uh, see what you guys want to have talked about. If there are any guests that you guys want to bring on, or maybe we'll start doing a uh, a weekly mailbag if we get enough questions from uh, Twitter followers. Also, go find uh, at Patriots Beat on Twitter. It's just at Patriots underscore Beat, where you can find every single episode along with article postings from our respective writers. So anyway, let's move on with the uh, defensive line. So we talked in the first half of the show a lot about the uh, defensive ends on the team. Um, I don't think we need to go back over them, but let, let's move to the defensive tackles. So outside of cornerback and wide receiver, I, I don't even know if I want to say wide receiver. Defensive tackle is probably the deepest position the Patriots have. Arguably the deepest defensive tackle position of any team in the NFL. I mean, I just, like, going through their D-tackles with Malcolm Brown, Allen Branch, Terrence Knighton, Vincent Valentine, Marcus Kuhn, Joe Volano, that's six defensive tackles who are all going to give you some good quality snaps. My one issue, though, with the D-tackles that we have, there's not a lot of versatility with the position. They're all just very stereotypical 4-3 or 3-4 defense, or excuse me, 3-4 defensive tackles, except for Malcolm Brown. So Alan Branch, Terrence Knight, and Joe Volano and, uh, are all going to do about the same thing. They're all just the big bodies that if you don't put two guys on them, they're going to absolutely destroy you. And I think Terrence Knight is the perfect example of that. I think, you know, he's going to absolutely overpower a lot of defense, a lot of offensive lines this year. Because, you know, as I will say in every single podcast that it comes up, there is nothing scarier than a motivated football player in a contract year. Absolutely nothing. That's why Chandler Jones is going to have such an incredible year. That's why Le'Veon Bell is going to have such an incredible year this year. Contract years in any sport are, a, are the easiest predictor of good success of anything in sports. 
nothing else will ever define what a player is going to do more than their contract negotiations. So Terrence Knight needs one final contract for his NFL career. I want to say he's 30 to 31. So he's looking for another two to three year deal with at least $20 million attached to it for the rest of his career. He needs to have a very big season for the Patriots. He didn't have a very good season for the Washington Redskins, or if he did, it was one of those kind of, number seasons where he didn't put up crazy good stats, but the analytics loved him, whatever. He needs to put up stats this year and needs to make it to the playoffs and needs to even make a Super Bowl run if he wants to have a big-time contract next season. Will the Patriots give it to him? Most likely not. That explains the drafting of Vincent Valentine and the return of Joe Volano. That is, okay, Terrence Knighton, we are your stepping stone to a bigger contract. Basically, kind of what the Patriots, what ended up happening with Darrell Rivas uh, with the contract season getting all that money from the Jets, whatever. He want, he helped us win a Super Bowl. I don't really care what ended up happening. So looking at the D-tackle position, let's go player by player. So Malcolm Brown, first of all, is probably the most talented defensive tackle on this team. He, last season, so last season he started off slow. Um, he was good, not great for the first half of the year, was a very good run stopper, uh, very good penetration, but was still getting pushed around a little bit. Uh, I think he definitely kind of hit a little bit of a rookie wall around week three or four, and that definitely caused some problems for him um, in the beginning of the season. But w- once the second half of the season came around, he was maybe the Patriots' best defensive lineman from about week eight to week 17 and into the playoffs. He was phenomenal in the run game. He was great in the passing game. He actually started to make a little bit of pass rush, but he ended up being one of the best run-blocking defensive uh, defensive tackles or best run-stopping tackles in the AFC for the second half of the season. So I think if there's one person you can really point to on this uh, defensive tackle position that is really going to have a make-or-break season, not a make-or-break, but is really going to take the next step, it's going to be Malcolm Brown. Cyrus said it himself. When when the Patriots drafted him, I was over the moon. That was the best possible pick that they could have ended up with at 32. With with the, the oh, I, I will never forget the Indianapolis Colts drafting Philip Dorsett. Their number one need, without question, was a defensive tackle. And sitting there was one of the best defensive tackle prospects to come out of college in a couple of seasons. Like not Aaron Aaron Donald level, fine but still a very, very good defensive tackle prospect. And they choose Philip Dorsett, a T.Y. Hilton clone. I, like, what? <laughs> like, I love the NFL drafts because it's one of the most unpredictable sporting events that the world has to offer. But um, it's just, it was a crazy, crazy decision for them not to take Malcolm Brown. With that being said, um, if you I mentioned this in uh, the interview with Cyrus that if you go check out Mike Reese's article on ESPN, he talks about who uh, who he thinks will start next to Malcolm Brown on this defense, and he chose Terrence Knighton, which is an interesting choice to me because I don't know how well those two are going. Excuse me, are going to work off of each other. Um, I know that, like. I know he would have worked very well with Dominic Easley. Dominic Easley and Terrence Knighton would be an incredible combination. That would be a great kind of combo. You know, you have your run stopper and your pass rusher on the inside. But I don't know. I think we could see... I I think that Malcolm Brown's going to have to take a big step forward as a player. And I think Terrence Knighton's going to have to take a big step forward as a player. I think that they're both going to have to step up for this defense because... 
they don't have a lot of interior pass rush. So looking at the other defensive tackles, um, Vincent Valentine and Joe Volano. Um, so Joe Volano is a guy that is just you know I love I love Joe Volano. Joe Volano is just you know your classic hardworking NFL big man who's not really particularly good at like anything, but but what he does have is a lot of he has a lot of experience with the Patriots system, and he has a lot of um, he's he's played a lot of snaps for the Patriots over the past couple seasons. I mean, I remember a couple years ago where they where he was the second rotating defensive tackle uh, for for the Patriots in the 2013 season, and then 2014 he was on the practice squad. 2015 they cut him, and then here he is again. Uh, returning to the past roster, so clearly they like something with Joe Volano. I'm a big fan of his, and I know that uh, a lot of he's kind of like a cult hero for the Patriots in a way. But um, so moving on from Joe Volano, let's take a look at this Vincent Valentine kid. I think he is the one person that the pa- Patriots fans really don't know a lot about. So Vincent Valentine, uh, you know, just drafted this season. Like I mentioned with, um, like like I mentioned before, he was kind of all over the place. When it comes to you know where he was going to get drafted, I mean Mayock had him somewhere, Kuiper had him somewhere completely different, Tom McShay, who I never listened to anyway, had him somewhere completely different. So everyone had him all over the place. No one really knew what to make of this guy in the NFL. So the Pats drafted him in the third round, ninety sixth overall. I mean, my thing with with him is that he was. You know, on on the defensive line for a big time program with the Nebraska football team, they just kind of slotted him in as a freshman, and he just did his thing for three whole seasons. I mean, he was a Big Ten All Freshman, honorable mention in 2013. Um, his his last season, his junior year, he did have he missed a couple games due to injuries. Um, appeared in ten games, seven starts, ten tackles, and three sacks. So he's very much to me a big guy who has a lot of potential but needs he someone needs to get their hands on him and really teach him the ways of how to be an NFL defensive tackle I think he's very raw but I think that he's going to be a uh, successful guy in the NFL he's also a journalism major so we can uh, we can be best buddies and talk about how well I mean he's gonna make a lot of money but you know the rest of us journalism majors da 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 so um, you know, what's really fun about Vincent Valentine this year is that he's, he's definitely, like uh, Cyrus said, kind of the, the pairing with Malcolm Brown for the future. Malcolm Brown is going to hopefully be the, um, you know, the more pass-rushing, all-around defensive tackle specialist, whereas Vincent Valentine is going to be the more run-stopping presence on the, uh, on the defense and really going to take them into the next generation as their T tackles, which I'm totally happy with. Go right ahead. Vincent Valentine and Malcolm Brown as our starting DNs. That's fine. Fine with me. Um, so Marcus Kuhn, uh, another guy on the D- defense who's an interesting case study. Um, guy from Germany, played on the Giants for a couple seasons. Um, my, my roommate who's a Giants fan, I know, God forbid, um, you know, he, he's a big fan of him. He's just kind of like a normal guy. He's a good locker room presence. Nothing really too special. Just, you know, it's Marcus Kuhn, guys. Like, you know, he's... He's, he's, he's Marcus Kuhn. So, you know, this whole defensive tackle position as a whole, Branch, Brown, Knight and Volano, Valentine Kuhn, and there's Anthony Johnson guy who's probably not going to end up making the team. But I think that it's a very, very good top six of defensive tackles. If you go into the season with six defensive tackles and five defensive ends, I think you're going to be pretty good. I think that's a good... 
you know, it's 11 players for your defensive line. That's about a fifth of the team. That, that, that's a pretty good number. And there's a lot of talent on that, along that team. And I think that if, if Malcolm Brown and Jabal Sheard really step up to be the stars on the defensive line, then, then they're going to be totally set this season uh, from that standpoint. I do think the sacks are going to come from a lot of different places. Um, Jabal Sheard will probably end up leading this team in sacks, but by no means is he going to put up like 16, 17 sacks. He'll probably put up 11 or 12. Nikovic will put up his 9 or 10. Brown will get like 5. You know, and then they'll just have scatterings of sacks throughout the defense, and then the linebackers will do their thing and put up their usual produ- production. Excuse me. So nothing really to worry about. But speaking of linebackers, um, next week is the final edition of our positional breakdown before we really get into training camp and uh, really see what we're going to have from this team for the 2016-2017 season. But um, like I said, next week we're going to be moving onto linebackers. Very, very excited about that because, uh, you know, there might not be a more star-studded position on the Patriots than linebackers with Collins, Hightower, Freeney, McClellan, and then they have a lot of depth in that position as well. A lot of young players who are going to need to step up to fill up some big, big depth roles for that linebacker. But that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show is presented to you today by the SeatGeek Ticketing app. Once again, use the promo code CelticsBeat for a $20 rebate when you download the SeatGeek mobile app. It's a great deal, and it helps us support the show. First off, I want to give a shout-out to everyone who turned in and listened this week. I want to thank our guest Cyrus Geller again from the Musket Fire Patriots blog on the Fan Sided Network. I want to thank Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network nick gelso and myself i am harris rubenstein this is the page b podcast powered by clns radio we'll be back next week for some linebacker breakdowns go follow me on twitter at sports team and then go follow us on twitter the show that is at patriots underscore beat see you guys next week